Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. And so today we are talking about living to give. Live to give. And this is the concept, the, the fact that God has His ways. His ways are about giving. And we have these things that happen sometimes when there's a, there's a difficult situation or we're going through a hard time and people will say things like, what does God want from me? God is a giver. He's a giver. And we have to get that perspective because when he's a giver and we're brought into his family, we become givers too. It's actually our nature. So that's not about presence and whatever. I, I saw this um, article about, you know, should Christians celebrate Santa and blah, blah, blah. And essentially the idea was that like, you know, because Santa Claus is about giving and giving is a, you know, a godly thing, then it's totally fine and whatever. And I thought this is the wrong question to be asking. Should Christians, you know, celebrate Santa or not? The, the question is, have you understood the gift of Christmas, period? That, that it is from him, that there's something that came. And so even this morning when we're discussing the, the cradle and the cross at the same time, that's God giving to us. That is his nature. So the fullness of this, the fact that God has laid down something for us, it's a gift that we step into. We celebrate when we're celebrating his ways. We're celebrating not just what he does, but we're celebrating the very nature of God. So when we understand that God is a giving nature, he's got a giving nature, it allows us to engage stuff like Christmas or Easter or whatever from a totally different perspective. It is outside of the meals. It is outside of the wrapping paper. It is outside of, it is, it is the fact that God gave life to us. And from that depth, yes, we should celebrate. Yes, we should, you know, sparkle everything. But there should be a celebration of the fact that God has given everything for us. So the very nature of God, John 3, 16, which is the core of what we really did here today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loves us so much a lot of people think God, God, God is so mean and so powerful and so ferocious that he just takes whatever he wants. God so loved the world that he gave. It's his nature. And so the counterfeits, the thinking around us, twists it and puts it backwards. We have to, it's our duty as God's kids, to make sure that we are firmly founded on the truth and we understand God has a giving nature. It's what he does. The father gave his son and the son gives. Jesus gave. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Gives it. Verse 17 and 18 of John 10, Therefore my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. The father gave Jesus, Jesus gave his life. It's this nature that we partake of. It's this thing that is the ultimate overflow of love. It is a laid down 
life. We're talking about his ways. We're talking about the fact that we are partakers of his ways, that we receive it, but we also get to walk in it. It's kind of an indicator of what our lives should look like. Mark 10:45 for even the son of man did not come to serve but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many literally what we just celebrated he didn't come to be served what does god want from me but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many this this concept is so hard to like to understand it from the mind is almost impossible but the heart responds to the fact that how could the God of the universe, the one who holds all things in his hand, who breathed us into existence, lay down his life, came to serve. John 10, 10, we quote it a lot around here because it's a core value. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. If we break down that verse, we see two things. The thief does not come to steal, kill, and except to steal, kill, and to destroy. The enemy is a taker. Fair enough? But I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. The Savior is a giver. This basic concept, when we use this as a filter for how we go through life, when it's a hard week, when it's a great week, when it's anything in between, if we, if we simplify it down to this fact... The enemy is a taker and God is a giver. It helps us to look for the gift in the midst of the hard things. It helps us to know who to blame for the, for the stuff. It helps us to know how to navigate. It helps us know how to respond. If something is being taken, if there's this feeling of consistent, like what does God want? We need to come back to the heart of what our salvation is all about. God is giving. Now, there's a scripture that we all hear a lot, um, especially on hard times and in difficult seasons. There's a whole song about it. Job 121. And he said, naked I come from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's one scripture. Basic theology Instruction tells us that we don't create a whole belief system based on one scripture. There needs to be a track record of faith. There needs to be, you know, what, is, what does God say? What is the whole picture of this? And, and it is true that God ultimately has control of the universe. And there are things that are in his hands that are outside of our control. There are things that are, um, you know, eternal in perspective that we can't really see right now. But ultimately, a lot of people will read this verse, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Many of us would look at that verse, and we see the focal point as the Lord took away. That is not the focal point of that verse. The focal point of the verse is, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It is so probable to get lost in the midst of when we're thinking why and how and how come and what, what went wrong. and we, It's so possible to get lost in the pain of it that we start blaming God. This one verse, the, the reality of the book of Job, you can't pick out that one verse without looking at the whole book, right? And the whole book is quite a treatise on, on how people respond to God. Job's got some friends that nobody wants. 
I mean, they came to encourage him, and it was not helpful. Um, but Job, start, the whole process starts because God's like, have you considered my servant Job? Do you see what kind of a heart this guy has? How he knows me. He will never. And, and the enemy says, oh, I bet if he didn't have all the stuff, he'd curse you. God's like, no, you don't, you don't know Job. So, yep, Job went through some hard stuff. And, and no matter how hard our lives are, most of us are not experiencing Job. A lot of us will say that. I feel like Job right now. No, you don't know what you're talking about. It was bad. He's a one-off. But what we're looking for underneath the story is the heart, the God connection, the truth. And the truth is underneath it all, when the stuff comes and the stuff goes, Job is like, there is a bigger focus. There is a bigger picture. There is a bigger eternity that I'm looking at. There is a God who is beyond my stuff. And that included his children, his spouse, his houses, his wealth, his everything was all lost in one. Whew. And, and in that, Job's like, blessed be the name of the Lord. How does he get there? How does he get to the point where no matter what goes on and what comes and goes, he can still bless the name of the Lord? Because God doesn't owe us anything. When he says, I, I, I love the package of this sentence, actually. The Lord gave and the Lord took away. However, however the theology breaks out on that, ultimately he's saying, whatever I had in the first place, God gave it to me. And it was a joy to have it for the time that I had it. It was a delight to have it for the time that I had it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And if it's a short time versus a long time, he's still good. He's still worthy of praise. He's still God. Because there's an eternal picture that's outside this finite timeline. If we don't have the eternal picture, then yes. You know, eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. Like there, there, is, there is that. But there is an eternal picture. And so if there is anything that we have, anything that God gives to us for a season of time is a gift. It's a blessing. It's a treasure. It's a delight. What our culture and our society tends to, to do is like if we're in any kind of discomfort, if we've had any kind of loss, something is wrong. But we need to choose to celebrate what has been, what God has given, the gifts that he gives, because ultimately his nature is not to be a taker, but a giver. I'm just saying the perspective, if we underneath it all, you're trying to give me something. If we look at, you know, a doctor comes in and they're trying to give you medicine. If we're like running to the other end of the room going, get away from me. What are you trying to do? Why are you trying to hurt me? No, they're trying to give you something. They're trying to give you something, right? Our perspective has to be right so that we can receive what it is God wants to release to us and through us. So with God being the, the giver of all things, and yes, there's a timeline on all things. So Job just said, you know, whether it's coming or it's going, blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the perspective. The bait of the why is strong. And the bait of why is enough to sometimes cause people to walk away from their faith. It's a dangerous spot to land. The safe spot to land is, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He is good. 
no matter what. There's a famous quote that everybody has heard, the uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all." I don't know, what do you think about that? Would we rather have never received anything than to have it be difficult at times? If we get people or circumstances or blessings in our life for a period of time, and we have to release them, would we rather have never had them? Or do we say, thank you, Lord, for that gift? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the time. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing. Thank you, Lord, for meeting me in the suffering. Thank you for walking me through to the other side. Thank you for being my freedom and my voice and my song in the midst of whatever I'm going through. Thank you for leading me through the valley of the shadow of death. Thank you for walking me through the deep waters and taking me from strength to strength. Thank you for being there in every circumstance. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If I can go there, then I'm not saying I, it's not worth the pain. I'm saying, yep, sometimes there is pain in, in loss. There's pain in the fact that this is a finite timeline. There's pain in the fact that when sin entered the world, stuff began to die. And that wasn't God's plan. But God is the finite, constant one who is a giver. What did you give me in this situation, Lord? You know, some of the hardest things that people go through is when, you know, a death of a child. And we'll say things like, nobody should ever have to go through that. Yeah, that is true. However, the father did. There is nothing we go through that God hasn't been through with us. There is nothing that is so painful that God cannot walk us through it. There's no place of, you know, the, the miracles that we hear about, the provision, the supply, the, the stuff that's worth telling about. It comes from a place of we didn't know where the next meal was coming from, and God showed up. But our culture kind of doesn't want to have any places where we're standing in the faith zone. We want to be able to control it all. And if something happened that, that, that we can't, we can't control five weeks from now, six weeks from now, eight weeks from now. The culture around us is like, why would God do that to us? If my concept is God's a giver, then God, how are you going to meet me in this? It just changes. It changes the dialogue. It changes the conversation. It's not the, why is this happening? But God, how are you going to meet me in this? I know you're a giver. You give comfort, you give blessing, you give love, you give hope, you give grace, you give mercy. You give justice. If, if my mindset is his ways are to give, then I'm looking for it. My eyes are on him, not in blame or criticism or disappointment. My eyes are on him looking for what he's going to release. It's looking for his love. It's looking for the breakthrough of his heart to mine. This is the invitation that we have. I want you to just practice with me this, this thing. Can everybody raise one arm? Okay. Now on the count of three, we're going to hold our breath. And when you have to let it go, you're going to drop your arm, okay? 
You ready? At the count of three, you're going to hold your breath and then drop your arm when you have to let it out. Okay, one, two, three. Warriors in the house. This is very impressive. I could tell who works out. Still, still some hands at this. Very impressive. Wow. Johnny's in the balcony turning purple. Wow. This is very impressive. We oh, Derek Casey. Okay, okay, okay. You're competing with Melody Harper. Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. It's on. Oh, and a little one in the balcony still holding his breath. This is very impressive. There it was. There it was. I saw the exhale. That was so good. Okay, is there anybody still going? You feel like you could still be holding till tomorrow breakfast time? Anything like that? No? Okay, that, that was really good. That was, that was very impressive. Um, ultimately, we have to release the error, right? If at any point we suck it in and just hold it forever, I mean, Dr. Felix, that, that's a problem, correct? But, yes, we would have some medical concerns if that was the case. The very fact that from the very beginning of Genesis, it says that God took and he breathed the air into the nostrils of the man that he created. It literally means, like some of us are like, man, I should be able to hold my breath longer. I should be able to do more of this. I should be more in shape. I should, you know, me included. Um, but the reality is the fact that you have a breast that comes in at all is the gift. There is a gift that came. Just the fact that you were able to do that today is a gift. And the fact that it has to be expelled tells us that we are meant to take the gift and release the gift. Are you with me? That is our biological makeup. We are made in God's image. We are made like him. So when I say God is a giver and he's made us in his image, he has made us to release him. The breath that we have has to go somewhere. The gift that God gives has to go somewhere. So when we're talking about his ways, the father is a giver. He gave his son. Therefore, Jesus, as he walks in the fullness of the father, gave his life. We receive that life. We have to give. It means that if we're talking about his ways and walking in his ways, our mindset should be, I'm a giver. 
See, some of you did not see that coming right there. You're like, oh man, she's going to do an offering. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm just saying life. If, if life shifts for us, if we understand that God is a giver, that's his nature. I carry the nature of God. The breath that I have, I've received today a gift from him. And my nature as I walk in his ways is to be a giver. It doesn't matter my economic status. It doesn't matter my social reach. It doesn't matter, you know, my creative ideas. It means that every day if I got breath in my lungs, I can look at the day and go, okay, where can I give? Where can I give? Where can I take this thing that God has given me, this life that he's given me, the love that he's given me, where can I spend it? It means that going even into the Christmas season when people are like, oh, it's all about the gifts and it's all about the whatever. Yeah, that can get very convoluted. But the reality is if I go into this season and I'm like, man, people are hurting all around me because they really are. You know, there's a, there's a reason that the funeral homes put on special nights because it's extremely hard to go through the first Christmas alone. You know, without your person that you lost this year or whatever, there is uh, the fact that we're literally dealing with the 20% of our city is dealing with food insecurities. The fact that there is, you know, upset on so many fronts. People are having marriage issues. The fact that, um, you know, the police are responding to in-house things like domestic violence, substance abuse, suicides in houses. The fact that there's pain all around us. The temptation when it's like, why, 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 God, why would you do this to me? The bait of taking one portion of the verse out of Job and saying, God takes away without realizing, blessed be the name of the Lord. God gave, God took away, however you want to frame that out, but ultimately, blessed be the name of the Lord. Today, I'm here to bless the name of the Lord. Today, I have breath. Today, I've woke up, so today, I've got something to do. Today, I am here to be a giver. I'm going to walk in his ways. It shifts your perspective. There's this really interesting, subtle thing that happens. Um, I don't know how many of you are following Jordan Peterson's stuff. Anybody listen to Jordan Peterson at all? Local dude, actually. He's from Fairview. Um, uh, our modern-day philosopher and psychologist and all these things, but he's got a massive following of people online. His ongoing revelation of Jesus is a pretty amazing thing. God is... I, I believe encountering him, but ultimately from a scientific perspective, he says thoughts associated with self-consciousness, or I'm thinking about me, thoughts that are associated with self-consciousness are statistically indistinguishable from experiences of negative emotion. So when they track it, if I think about me, my brain registers a negative emotion. That's not, that's not even a God factor. That is just how we are made. He says, so it is literally the case, the more that you think about yourself, the more unhappy you are. You are unhappy, anxious, grief-stricken, frustrated, disappointed, and hurt. We are made to give. We are made in his image to pour out of ourselves what God pours into us. That flow, when Adam and Eve were given the assignment to fill the earth, subdue it, steward it well, it was with the very breath of God, the wisdom of God, the unction of God leading their lives. We have this thing where we're so tempted to go, why me, God? And instead, God, 
What do I have to offer? William James said, the best use of one's life is to spend it on something that will outlast it. Life's value is not its duration, but its donation. I love that. Life's value is not its duration, but its donation. Not how long we lived, but how fully and how well. What is it that pours out of us? Are we living as givers? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We've been talking about this, the concept of Jesus as the way he is the actual access point to God, but he is also the method that we follow. Literally, the what would Jesus do is our motto. Literally, how would Jesus operate in these seasons? Jesus never said, Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. The shift is so subtle. And some of us, I know when we're in our most broken space and it feels like there is just nothing left. I, we're just like drained on every front. Literally, the way the word explains it is we receive. Freely you've received, freely give. So we don't just sit there and go, I just need somebody to do something for me. God is the answer for everything. We put a draw on him. We fill up on him. We feast on his goodness. We sit in his presence. We enjoy his love. We honor him. We worship him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We celebrate who he is. And from that place, we give. He gives, we give. It comes back as this act of consistent worship. We know that it says specifically, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. We know that John 10, 10 says that I have come that you would have life and life abundantly. Do you know that the word abundant literally means, you would think that we know this, but it literally means superior in quality, beyond measure, and excessive. Superior in quality, beyond measure, and excessive. In other words, I have come that you would have life that is more than you can handle, so you should give it out. I came to give you a surplus of life. I came to give you the kind of quality and quantity of life, a fullness of life that it is meant to be poured out. Isn't that interesting? Like, well, we'll let's say, like, sometimes in our, our North American first world culture, like, he's come that we'd have life and life abundantly. That means that we need all the stuff. And life should just be perfect. And everybody should be just in, you know, just like, the, we should have the most best looking family, we should have the highest income, we should have the nicest house, we should have the best of everything. Life abundantly, you can have all of that and have a miserable internal life. And it's not worth it. You can have none of that and live abundantly. That's what God's given us. He's given us this life abundantly of superior quality in excess, beyond measure, excessive. This thing that's meant to pour out of us. I'm just telling you, some of you came in here this morning, some of you were watching and you're like, I've got nothing to give. Yes, you do. You are breathing. There is something in you that God has given you that will do well when it's poured out. In prayer, in action, in love, in service, in time, in whatever means that God leads you to. But he is just trying to get something through you. He is a giver. John 15, 12 to 14 says, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do whatever I ask you. 
So the Father gave, Jesus gave, so we give. The people of the way should be known as the most generous-hearted, open, loving, kind people on the planet. It shouldn't be that you bump into Christians and you feel like they're just needy. They're always asking for a handout. This is what our, our culture has developed in kind of the charity system is that there's churches that are always asking for something. Ultimately, we're looking to give something. We're looking to release something. There should be a shift that happens. And I believe even in our current medical crisis with what, what we're dealing with when the doctors are just overwhelmed and the hospital is full and, you know, things are, variants are popping up of different things and whatever, we need to be the place where people can turn for help. We need to be the place. You, like, you, where do you go? You go to the church. You run to people who will pray for you, who will minister to you, who will provide a meal, who will provide support, who will be there in the hard times and the celebration times. We are meant to be givers. We're not walking through life to take. When we pick up the nature of our Father, oh, we're going to be the people everybody wants at the party because we are the givers. Psalm 86, one says, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 to 20 says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, from whom, uh, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Sometimes when we talk about the narrow way, like we talked about last week, there's the narrow gate and then there's the narrow way. And it's hard. It's difficult. Why is it hard? Because the earthly realm, because our flesh is drawn to, what do I get out of it? Literally, if you're hiring people or you're, you know, setting up a business or you're trying to spread some sort of an awareness thing, your, your sales techniques are supposed to be telling people what they're getting out of it. What's the value added? You know what you get from being in Jesus? Everything you need. And you know what it's going to cost you? Everything he gives you. That's the joy of it. He's the giver, and we get to be givers with him. And it's the most exhilarating thing. We know that in our culture, we love to do things like you're in a drive through lineup and pay for the car behind you because it feels good. Why? Because in the same way as what we just demonstrated with the air thing, we are all made. People are made to be givers. We're, we, it feels good because that's how we're designed. But in God, there is no shortage. There is not, we can never give more than he will supply. That gift is this constant flow that we get to be engaged in with him. The giving that we partake in is the fullness of joy. We're going to engage in Advent in these next few weeks. And I know some people are like in shock and awe that it's actually Christmas season and it's Advent. Next week or next year, it won't happen until December 3rd. So you'll be fine next year. But this year it does start this early. And we are celebrating the different aspects of what happens. And so we're going to prepare ourselves for Advent in this 
But one of the things that we carry is the very nature of God. It's one of the things that we give. And so when we celebrate Advent, we celebrate the things that God has given to us. The hope, the joy, the peace, the love, the very fact that we partner with an eternal picture. We get to share that. We get to celebrate that. We get to honor that. And so I, I pray that as we walk into this season and we talk about his way, that this year we celebrate his way. That we know it's going to be different. That we know it's a narrow path. That we know it's higher. That we know there are counterfeits that are out there. There are idols that want our attention. There are things that want to saturate us in the why and the how come, but his ways are different than that. That he's ultimately a giver, that we engage that giving spirit, not about presence or anything like that, but we are looking to pour out what we've received. The heart of heaven, the gift of God. The story of Advent goes back to like 500 AD, there's like some written things that, that indicate that maybe there's a little bit earlier than that. But essentially, we're talking before everybody could have their, you know, had their Bibles in hand, before everybody could crack on their, you know, Hallmark shows and prep themselves up for Christmas, before anybody had their patterns of life that they were following this, this whole concept was created so that we could prepare ourselves to honor the fact that God is true to his word. A day when Jesus returns and he catches us away with him. There will be a day when we are standing with him face to face. And whether we pass in this lifetime or whether we're caught away with him in that way, we will be with him forever. Our perspective needs to shift. And so for some, this has been like a, you know, Advent's just part of the Christmas thing. We have all the Christmas traditions. You know, without this, Christmas doesn't exist. There is, there is just no purpose for Christmas of any kind unless we celebrate the fact that God is true to his word when he gave the instructions, when he gave the prophetic words, when he spoke through Isaiah and other prophets, when he spoke about the coming of a Messiah who they couldn't even possibly imagine. When from the beginning of the book, there was a plan in place that Jesus would come and God was looking for the way to give. When Jesus came and he was born of Mary, he was raised to die. When what we've talked about this morning, he said nobody could take his life. He gave it. When he was taken from this earth and the angels stood there and said, don't, don't panic. The same way you saw him go, he's going to come back. Leaves us with that eternal hope. And so let's stand together this morning. I'm going to have the worship team come. And as we finish this discussion of the way, we want to celebrate the hope that we have in it. For those of you who are coming from maybe a little bit more traditional churches, we don't have such a solid pattern of, of doing this, but we do want to prepare ourselves for the fullness 
of the Christmas season to celebrate what was given to us and to respond and give our lives in return. Isaiah 40, three to five says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And we know that this was fulfilled in Jesus's time on the earth through John the Baptist as he was out there and he was declaring and he was preparing that first coming of Jesus. And we get to be the ones that declare the second coming of Jesus. We get to talk of his goodness. We get to bring those high places low and those low places up. We get to live in the light. We get to live in the way and we get to put our expectation on him. I want to encourage you this holiday season as we go into this month. I know it's going to be busy and I know there's going to be a lot of things on the calendar and I know everybody's got a lot to concern themselves with. I want to encourage you to just take some time every day and settle into the gift that has been given. To just contemplate, and from the very beginning of this, the hope. Contemplate the hope that you have. The hope that no matter what happens on this side of eternity, we will be singing around the throne what we sang this morning. Holy, holy, holy. We will meet those who have gone before us, that great cloud of witnesses that's cheering us on right now. We have something that's been given to us and when we've had the privilege of knowing him, we've received the gift. There's so many that haven't yet. Don't look inside. Look to give. There's something that you carry. This hope that you carry Live in the hope, give the hope, release the hope. Live in that place where the people who encounter you encounter the giver of all things. Romans 15, 13 says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so God, today we thank you for this living hope that we have. God, we thank you for your ways. We thank you that your ways are so much better than what we could possibly have imagined. Lord, we thank you that when we expand into your ways, when we study and we embrace your ways, God, we experience life abundantly that's so full, it's excessive. It's overflowing to those around us. We are carriers of life. That no matter what happens on this side of eternity, we know that life goes on and we live it with you. God, I pray that you would shift us on the inside, Lord, that we wouldn't be caught wishing for the broad way, that we wouldn't be wishing for the, the counterfeits, we wouldn't be caught into the things that are affections of the flesh, God, but we would keep our eyes on you, the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, that we would live in that place of your way, that we would walk in your way, 
that we would receive all that you've given us, God, and that we would be givers in return, that we would walk looking for ways that we can give you out to the world around us, Lord. God, that we wouldn't get caught looking internally and wondering why, 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 but God, we would say, blessed be the name of the Lord. And we would walk in the fullness of that revelation. You are good. We honor you today and we thank you for this eternal hope that we carry in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at Victory Church GP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.victorygp.com. You can also text to give, just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.